seconds. He's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And Nick it's Baller <laughs> with yes, a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it. Here's Kupak. Give up to Amos. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's Jordan back to kick, it's blocked again, picked up, it'll be a touchdown, Carolina for Bracey Walker. He blocks his second punt and scores his second touchdown of the season, it's 14 to 13. Mr. Jordan meet Mr. Walker. Bernard fields it at the 26, heading to the far side, Gio at the 35, Gio, he's at the 50, no he's not, yes he is, Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. Hey guys, and welcome to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. I'm Anthony Pagnotta. On this edition of the podcast, we sit down with longtime sideline reporter for the Tar Heel Network, Lee Pace, who's been covering Carolina football for just about as long as anyone, and ask him about the current state of the Tar Heel football program, the injuries, the quarterback issues, and much, much more. All right, so uh, Lee Pace, how's it going today, man? Oh, still there? Hello? Yeah. Hello? Still there? I'm sorry. No, I, you're I lost good. You there for a second. And, and, it's, and it's Anthony, right? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. So uh, how you how you been doing? Doing very good. How about you, Anthony? Ah, good, good. So uh, yeah, no, great to have you on. Uh, love what you've been doing uh, for so long with Tar Heel football. And um, you know, first I really just got to ask you, you know, having you on here. What was it about Tar Heel football that kind of drew you to covering that? I mean, everybody always talks about Tar Heel basketball being the right. biggest sport, but for you, you know, why was it football that was the thing for you, especially at Carolina? Well, that's a good question. Uh, number one, I think I've just, uh, like so many people, just from my days as a, even before my student years in the late 70s, was just captivated by the ambiance of Keenan Stadium and the campus and the town and, and how much football was an event and it was a uh, you know a, a big thing it was you know i've heard it said basketball is a game football is an event or football is a weekend and so that's just kind of where it started and then about 30 years ago when i left my latest full-time job and to start freelancing i knew that i need to find and create niches for myself and late 80s the basketball bandwagon was jam-packed and i just didn't think there was anything i could offer there and i did a profile on mac brown for the carolina alumni review in the uh summer of 88 i guess it was and i said you know this is going to be fun i think we're going to win a lot with this guy and so that's just kind of where it took off i just it was a matter of trying to find a niche and i've always um i would i like i like football i like the strategic element of it and i like that there are so many stories on a football team versus a basketball team so those are just some of the reasons uh, off the top of my head, Anthony. 
Yeah, uh, for some of the people that may not know, uh, Lee has a fantastic book out that he wrote, um, Football in a Forest. And, you know, really for you, what was the motivation behind you to say, you know, look, I, I've been covering this for, you know, the Toriel Sports Network for a while, but I, I want to take it a step further and write this stuff down for, you know, the younger generation maybe to remember. What, what was that extra motivation maybe for you? Well, in addition to the work I do around Carolina, um, I've been active in the golf business for 30 years and I've done a lot in Pinehurst. In the early 90s, I was commissioned by Pinehurst Resort to do a coffee table book on its history. Uh, this was when they were trying to get the U.S. open. And so I, that's kind of where I got started to learn about the book publishing business. Uh, I'd had some experience in graphic design and so starting with the early and mid-90s, I've been involved with a number of coffee table book projects. So it was just sort of a natural thing to take that experience doing uh, coffee table books in the, in the golf business and, uh, and apply that concept to saying, you know, Keenan Stadium is just such a, a majestic place. It's got so much history. So we have access to so many great pictures and stories. It just lends itself to a beautiful coffee table book. And I'd actually tried as early as the mid nineties, uh, when Mac Brown had the program humming up to put a concept together, to do, to do a book at that point. And then he of course left to go to Texas and the program stagnated and just kind of slumbered along for a while. And, uh, you know, it took a long time, but I just kind of kept adding to the ideas and the photo file and the concept. And finally, um, I just said in 2015, I said, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to figure out a way to do it. Yeah, so, and then, uh, kind of weird, you know, that year we end up uh, coming out in 2016 and we have the moment uh, in the game against Pittsburgh. You know, what, was there any uh, part of you that was kind of like, man, I, I may have published this just a year early. Um, you know, is, is, was there anything saying that on that day? Well, what actually was funny was I was trying to put the business plan together during the summer and early fall of 2015. And I knew it would help, you know, if the team had a little momentum and the season had some momentum. And I had submitted a proposal and was trying to get the financial backing to do the book. And we are in Atlanta, like late September, and we're down, what, 21 to nothing, maybe in the second quarter. And I'm standing there on the sideline thinking, well, there goes my idea because this season's going into the hopper right now. But miracle of miracles, we, we rallied, posted a great win, and that turned the season around. And so that was um, – because we'd lost to South Carolina mm -hmm. early in the year and then maybe struggled against Delaware. I can't remember. I don't have the record book in front of me. But anyway, the um, at Georgia Tech, that was the turning point of that season. We built momentum throughout, and that was a great launching pad to be able to, you know, tie up all the loose ends and get get the the, the business plan, so to speak, together during the fall of 2015 to make the book possible. And it, as it turned out, the book came out in the summer of 16, which was the, I guess you could say, the absolute apex of, you know, the, the modern era of the program mm -hmm. because we started out well and played well in the early part of 16 and then lost, what, three of our last four games, including the bowl game. Yeah, and so, you know, you talked a little bit about, uh, you know, golf, and, and, and that seems to be really an important part of your life, especially working with Pinehurst and the Finley course on campus. You know, why is it important to you to keep that a part of your life with all that you do for football? 
Well, it's just it's, it's kind of being uh, diversified, I guess you'd say. Um, you know, number one, I, I don't think there's enough work around Carolina football uh, 12 months a year, you know, to generate the kind of revenue I need to as a, as a self-employed freelancer. So and it's just kind of, you know, college football, Carolina football and the golf business are just several things that I've always been interested in and have been fun to me. And so it's uh, I just kind of try to build as much of a niche around those as I possibly could. Turning back towards football, and this will be my last question kind of historically before we turn to this year's team. You know, you've gotten the chance to work with both Woody and Jones. You know, what what did you, you know, is, is there some similarities between those two? And, and, and what do you think, you know, really drives uh, their passion for Carolina? Well, both of them are just meticulously and unbelievably well prepared going into a game. Uh, both of them just put in an incredible amount of work uh, with, with background statistics, notes, tidbits, all this kind of thing. And both of them are, are, are hard workers. They're sticklers for detail. Uh, they're very, pa- <coughs> excuse me, uh, very passionate about what they do. Uh, both have different personalities and different styles, but I enjoyed working with Woody and have enjoyed working with Jones every bit as much. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And yeah, both of them uh, did. Yeah, Woody did a great job for so long, and Jones has just picked up where he left off and has been fantastic. Uh, so yeah, we'll turn to this year's team. And you know, sitting at one and eight, it's it's kind of one of those years where I, I don't really think anybody expected the team to quite be in the position that they're at right now. Uh, I'll start by asking you this. I mean, still at one and eight, it seems like the mindset is is pretty good from the outside. Is that kind of the feeling that you get when you're on the sideline on game days is that these guys are still motivated to win football games yeah and i think that you know i, I tried to tell that story in uh, extra points you know in addition to what we've already talked about i write, write a weekly column on goheels.com called extra mm-hmm. points that appears on monday morning my my story after the georgia tech game i just tried to um paint a scene of what it was like on the sideline during the latter parts of the uh, Georgia Tech game, where particularly the, the, the kids on defense had just busted their tails for three hours, and they were beaten up and banged and bruised, and a lot of uh, physical issues going on right then, and just the, uh, the, the sorrow and despair on their faces. Uh, you know, these, these kids have not checked out, um, and, and just the, the fact that despite a very bad start, you know, Tar Heels have had losses of what seven, ten, three, three mm-hmm. points. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of close games. So, so no, not at all. And then one thing I found, and this even goes back to the late '90s uh, during the Carl Torbush era, is that you know had a couple of difficult seasons. But these kids, they just enjoy being around each other. They enjoy playing the game, and as much as the uh, the media and the fans just gnash their teeth and get on the message boards and talk amongst themselves during the week the players are able to put this stuff behind them and they just go out and play you know they, they just don't even though it's very important to them they they're able to you know kind of put it in a box and move on to the next one much better than the you would you would think that they would be and that and that the general public is able to do yeah, you, you mentioned the physical toll, and you saw it in that game against Georgia Tech. It's really been something that we've seen over the last two years. How much of an effect do you really think these injuries are taking on this team right now? Well, 
on offense, I don't think it's hurting. Um, well, I take that back. I mean, if either of the two quarterbacks uh, had remained young, quarterbacks had remained healthy. Um, who knows where the offense would be? It is absolutely um, hurting the defense, and it did last year. And this gets to the the crux of the number one problem that I see on this in this program is just depth on defense, quality talent across the board, in every position on defense. And with quality depth, uh, the Tar Heels just don't have it right now. I'm I'm very encouraged looking at the offensive side of the ball. With um, they've got some outstanding freshmen and redshirt freshmen offensive linemen that we've not even heard from. They obviously in Kate Ford and Jace Ruder have a couple of really good tailbacks. Michael Carter is still a sophomore. Javante Williams is a freshman. Antonio Williams has another year. Obviously, Daz Newsom, Deami Brown are, are terrific young players. So. Um, offense, I think there's just a lot of good young talent over there. It's the defensive side of the ball that that Carolina needs to recruit and develop better players, more depth, and it's it's taking a toll. And it, 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 the exact same thing happened last year. Um, as the season goes on, kids get just banged up. And I remember going over to Raleigh for the last game last year. I think Carolina had four scholarship linebackers available, and now it's very similar. I think they're down to five or six. Yeah, no, yeah, you can definitely tell, uh, especially with how the run defense has, has sort of taken a little bit of a step back. You know, you mentioned the quarterback situation, and, you know, they've just, we've had some bad luck there. But the thing is, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of wondering if the future of this program is in that group. Do you think just from watching the guys on the sidelines and maybe how the team responds to some of these guys, do you think that that guy is on the roster right now? Oh, I don't think there's any question. I think with what we've seen with the two two freshmen in, in Reuter and Ford, that, that both of them have outstanding ability, unlimited upside. And you look at who Carolina had to beat to get them. Kate Forden had been a commitment for over a year to Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And Jace Reuter's last three choices were Carolina, Florida State, and Georgia. And, in fact, he comes from Kansas, and he – he and his parents made a trip east uh, before his senior year. They spent two or three days in Chapel Hill and a day each in Athens and Tallahassee. And, you know, for Carolina to go toe-to-toe with, with programs of that ilk and attract a guy to, to come with them uh, speaks speaks greatly of the campus, the university, the coaching staff, the program. But it, it also says that um, – some other sharp people in the in the business thought he was a pretty good player too. Last question, and we'll get you out of here on this, Lee. Um, you know, when you look at this program, I think the biggest thing that a lot of people on the outside are saying is that maybe you know some people are satisfied with where you know with, with the last couple of years with three and nine with one and eight. My question to you is. Is there a hunger to win football games at Carolina? Because I feel like there is on, you know, especially on on a level from where I sit at as as a guy that's, you know, kind of intertwined a little bit within the fan base, but also just, you know, a little bit of a part of the media. Do you do you feel that there's a hunger to win games that would, you know, potentially um, attract someone if, if they were thinking about coming to Chapel Hill? Well, first, Anthony, I would I would argue with – um, I, I think you made the point that some people are satisfied with three and nine. I would I would argue strenuously with that. Nobody mm-hmm. nobody at all is satisfied with mediocrity. And and this question comes up a lot. Um, you know, and I've been around 
you know, going back to my undergrad days for over 40 years, and I can honestly say I have never seen, heard, or felt anything other than Carolina from the very top on down wants to be great at both men's basketball and football. There has never been any issues that I have seen of in terms of em- emphasis, resources, um, commitment. It just looks different than that just because basketball has been so good. You know, basketball was just blessed with having one of the greatest coaches in the history of the game be in Chapel Hill for over 30 years, and he just built some stability. And, of course, Roy Williams is a, you know, a tangent of that family. And football has just had so many different leaders with so many different personalities and so many different eras that football has not been able to, to build that, that consistency. And I take you back to 20 years ago when Carolina built the Tar Pit and the Keenan Football Center. Mm-hmm. That was at the leading edge of the, quote, arms race in college football facilities at the time. I mean, Texas A&M, Penn State, Nebraska, Notre Dame, all of those schools sent – officials to chapel hill to look at what we had done so you know that's just one indication of 20 years ago how committed carolina was to football and then 10 years ago carolina fires a coach mid-season to make a move to be in position to make a move on butch davis who they knew was available they knew there would be competition Mm -hmm. for him they knew he would be expensive so you know those are just two examples off the top of my head that i think very much underscore the commitment that Carolina has to being good in football. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and uh, I feel that's the way that a lot of fans feel, and you know, hopefully the national media will eventually pick up on that and, and try to you know run with that instead of what they're running with right now. So, hey, Lee, uh, th- this has been fantastic, man. Glad that I was able to get you on to talk a little bit of uh, Carolina football, and um, I know you're going to do a, you know, a great job as you've been doing uh, this weekend on the broadcast uh, against Western Carolina. Good, Anthony. We'll enjoy spending some time with you, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Yes, sir. You have a good weekend, okay? All right. Take care. All right. Lee Pace there from the Tar Heel Sports Network. As you guys can hear, he's been covering Carolina football for a long time, longer than pretty much anybody out there, and he does a fantastic job. Guys, listen to him on the broadcast with Jones Angel this Saturday, 3 o'clock, against Western Carolina. For uh, for the station, check your local listings. That'll be uh, here in Charlotte. I know it's 99.3 FM and 11:10 AM WBT, 97.9 FM and 13:60 AM WCHL in Chapel Hill, and it's 106.1 WTKK in Raleigh. For others, check your local listings. Guys, thank you for listening as always, and as always, go Tar Heel!